Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. And I, I'm not justifying that, but we have a hard time with king, a king, a king, a king. But kingdom is one who has sovereign rule, having complete dominion. And I want to try to get that into you this morning as we, as we move on into this about the sovereignty of God. First of all, I want to say directly to you, God does not come in his sovereignty. God lives in his sovereignty. When he's present, and he always is, that's part of the, part of the big theological terms defining God is, is his omniscience, which means he's always present. And if he's always present, then he's always here among us in his sovereignty. Now, for want of a better illustration, I'll give you kind of a weak illustration of, of sovereignty. And that I'm one who... I kind of cook as a hobby when I'm in the mood. And over the years, I've, I've worked with a lot of very young children and older children. And they, could, they, want to, they want to be with me and they want to cook, so we cook. We find out what they want to do and we cook. But in that kitchen, you ask these kids that, that have been around in, in that kitchen, I'm sovereign. Because I let them go about doing and give them ideas of what to do and how to do it. But if they're going to make a mistake that's going to ruin the meal, I'll reach over and take the spatula and flip the egg rather than have them ruin it. You see, I'm sovereign. I can do, because of the authority that I have there, I can do what I wish to do. But it helps them to be who they are, and to fulfill a dream and a desire in their heart to actually cook a meal that people can eat. That's a weak illustration, but you know God's presence here? He can do something. He can do anything. He's sovereign. And I've been asking him about about some of these, what I think of as big diseases. These things that... It just seems like that there are no answers for. And I hate to even give voice to that because I know that's not true. There are answers for them. But first of all, let me say that answers for some of those is found in the congregation, not in the individual. Let that sink in for a moment. If we can get the congregation to stop Looking at someone and saying, well, look what they've got going on in their life. And we've prayed and it didn't happen. So there's probably some sin in there somewhere. Or there's probably some genetics in there somewhere. If we can stop that and begin to say the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent takes it by force. I'm going to move in there. I'm part of the king's dominion. I'm, I'm part of the king's absolute power. I'm going to move in that situation and I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to call out about this because I'm a part of that body and begin to 
take some responsibility ourselves. You know, my hand on my right side is responsible for my arm on my left side. Now, if you don't believe that's so, wait till something pierces or slices that left arm and watch what happens. That hand goes immediately to that and begins to try to stymie the, the flow of blood. It tries to stop it. Because there's a responsibility. When, when somebody knocks a knot on your head, something's going to rub it. Because there's a responsibility, and we should be that way in the church instead of in the natural body saying the head shouldn't have been where it was. Well, maybe it shouldn't have. But that won't help, that won't keep the rest of the body from gathering around that and causing healing to happen. And we need to understand that if we want healing and overcoming some of these things, we've got to understand some principles of the kingdom of God. Now, these disciples that Jesus is working with here, they were more directly developed by Jesus than any other generation since then. They were highly knowledgeable in what it took to heal. Would you agree with that? I mean, they, Jesus sent them out by, by twos. He sent them out to their hometowns. And, and they and their hometowns were forerunners of what would be the expression of the church in the coming church age. They would go in their places of residence, that place where many of us use the excuse, well, in my hometown, there's not much I can do because they knew who I was. Come on, don't put your faith in who you were. Put your faith, be the person of breakthrough. Now, I understand what I mean by that. I don't mean spending hours on your face yelling at God about a breakthrough. I mean you live in such a way that you break through the darkness of a place and then through what God does, does through you, other people begin to touch the presence of God because you're part of the body there. Break through that thing. Quit standing and giving faith in the past. Get, don't give credit to what happened back there, not even yesterday. Let's look and see what God is doing now and work with it. Because there's something about this time, something about what God is doing now that we need to catch. And we need to move with it. It's, there, there's ebb and flow in the flow of the Spirit. I understand that. But I also know that most of it is because a beaver's built a dam somewhere that we need to tear out. Whatever you want, the little foxes, I think Damon was calling it. Something's been dammed up there and we need to get in there and as a body begin to tear it out. I'm telling you, you might be able to live for Jesus out there alone. But I'm telling you, you'll never make a difference in your world out there alone. Because the world has a sense that you're supposed to be a part of something. And if you're not being a part of something, they're not going to be impressed by what you say about your relationship with Jesus. The deal is, in this church age, it's not something where me and Jesus got our own thing going. We and Jesus have something going. The other churches in this community and us and Jesus have something going. And he's going to help us get it all worked out. Now, these disciples had some understanding And I want you to turn now with me to Mark chapter 9. I want you to look at a passage here that I really want you to get this morning. How many of you would agree we've had some, we have some things in our midst that has been a little bit overwhelming. And here's what I mean is I know that God wants to heal Betty, but he hasn't yet. 
I know that it's not God's will for Todd to suffer like he's suffering. But he's suffering. You hear me? Now, I could name numerous others. And it's, it's something that I take before God over and over and over. And I, I know there's an answer in him. And I want you to get this now. Beginning with verse 17 of Mark 9. One of the crowd answered him or came to him and said, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens out. Describing teenagers, right? No, maybe not. (laughs) And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. These people that knew so much about the move of God. These people that knew a lot about the authority of God. Jesus answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? And there's where we have put the emphasis. But folks, that was just rhetoric. Jesus building up to the real thing. He said, Bring him to me. I want you to get that. This is the man that before he went, he looked at his disciples and he said, Now, I'm going to be with you always. It's good that I go away physically, but I'm going to be with you always. You hear that? And then a little bit later, he said, Now, I'm going to come to you. And then he's praying. He he said, Father, you're with me and I'm with them. Just as you and I, Father, are one, I'm one with them. Are you seeing the process here? Jesus, when they couldn't get it done for whatever reason, he said, come on, quit your spiritual semantics, quit your little exercises, bring him to me. Now I'm going to be with you always. I'll come to you. You feel the presence that's starting to happening right here, right now? I'm telling you, this Holy Spirit that is so among us and so in movement and right now, and every now and then we feel a little breath of the breeze blowing, that's the presence of Jesus. That's the Christ. Christ is not His last name. It's a descriptive term of what we will be working with throughout the church age. I don't care what that does to your theology. Accept it because it's Scripture. When Paul refers to the Christ, he refers to it in three different ways. One, as Jesus Himself. The other one, as the one who anoints His people and carries that anointing. The other one is the one who will cause men to work in what He does. And we need to understand that this presence is more than just some good feeling. It's Jesus. It's the Spirit of Christ. And what does the Bible say somewhere in Revelation chapter maybe 12 verse 10, 10 verse 12? I don't know. Somewhere in there it says now Jesus, the Spirit of prophecy is the Spirit of the Christ. It's the Spirit of Jesus. Hear me? And when you begin to speak forth like Mary was speaking forth this morning, you're saying what God would say, what Jesus would say in that moment. He is manifesting to us. He's saying, there's where it is. There, there's where truth is. There's where faith work is right here. And that is that not only is there a breeze of God blowing, but there's a wind that's coming. There, there's something coming that's going to rip the mess off of you. It's, I tell you, I want to say that another way, but I'm saved. I won't do that. But I'm telling you that God is going to tear some things off you. 
And it's going to feel forevermore like he's tearing into you. Because you've used the excuse, well, my family's like this. Well, I've, the doctors made a mistake with me. They, they put me in a place physically that I can never get out of. Come on now. That's not where it is. The face, the, what, what's Jesus saying about this? And in these things that are difficulty, this week I found myself, when I was talking to God about Betty and her situation, I think, Jesus, I just bring her to you. I don't know another, another style of prayer to pray. Of course, I don't get into that, so I wouldn't know. I don't know another prophetic utterance to prophesy. But God, I know you're with us even to the end of the age. I know that, that you're manifest among us. I know that this Holy Spirit is you and in your power. And I know that I have the authority, so I'll bring her to you. I bring many, many people to him over and over this, throughout this situation. I found myself bringing Bill to Jesus to saying, God... I really wanted you to do the miraculous work in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, but that's pretty obvious that's not happening. But God, I lift Bill up to you. I've done it over and over and over again. I had to rediscover, for me, rediscover faith in a different way. Make it, make it look different. And when we worked with Todd, there's something in me that almost gets angry because Todd is still in pain. Because... There's no reason in the realm of the Spirit for that except the enemy trying to make him convinced that his days as he thought they would be are now over. I'm telling you in God it's not over. It's not over until we decide it's over. But his decision is my people are going to go on. They're going to go forward. They're going to move on into this thing. And we need to understand that Jesus has done the things that's necessary, and He knows how it's done. And sometimes we spend so much time trying to figure out how to do it, and that's where He says, you're a faithless generation. And really, when, when I think the King James says, the wick, you're a wicked and untoward generation. And what that really means is that your thinking is twisted, and it's not toward me. Bring him to me. That's really what the phrase says. Your your generation that you you just because of generational things, you're a little twisted in your thinking. You think that this thing is automatically going to respond to you. Just bring it to me. And then when his disciples came and said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? And this we'll start going into next Sunday, but I want you to know for sure he did not say. This kind comes forth only by prayer and fasting. That is, that is added by um, some scholars that probably shouldn't have been listened to. It says what it says in Mark 9, only by prayer, only by real communication with me, only by accepting what I have to offer. That's the only way some of these come out. Now, I have seen demons come forth and leave people torn and in the process of a healing because of how they had had hold. And it's you're never going to convince me that the demonic is not real because I've seen it. And I know that it is real. 
But I also know the Spirit of God is even more real. I don't care if there's some wicked, twisted thing spoken against you that you think is causing the issue. Well, then right now, under the authority given to me as a disciple, I break the power of that word spoken against you. Just break it with all confidence that it's broken. And from that point forward, it'll move ahead. We had something like this happen a few weeks ago when we were in some services in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And one of my good friends had been two years into in a very serious health situation. And God, God spoke in the moment and said, from this point forward, that'll be different. Because he's pretty certain that somebody had, had played some spiritual games against him and he was suffering because of it. But the Spirit of God spoke and said, from this point forward, that'll change. From that point forward, it changed. Was what he thought true? Maybe. That doesn't matter. What matters is what was God saying right now. God said it. It began to happen. I talked to him just a week or so ago, and things are doing very well. He's, he's almost well. He's back preaching again, back doing what he needs to do again, back prophesying again. The Spirit of God touched him and began to change it, folks. Don't think just because you don't get the immediate miracle and everything go away in the moment that God didn't move. God moves. God moves. When we ask Him to, He begins to touch and to adjust and begin to, begins to take a hand in things. And just the very word healing itself suggests a process. You hear me? The very word suggests a process. There's miracles that happen. I've, I've seen people healed in an instant. I, I've seen things happen that still boggle my mind. And I don't talk about much because it's so obviously out of God and out of man's thinking that I don't even know how people would handle it because I didn't handle it very well when I heard about it. And I'll give you one illustration. We prayed for a lady and she went running back toward the back. Some of the ladies followed her and when they got back there she was literally in the bathroom on the stool bleeding out. That messes with me. Because these gals that went with her were nurses. And they thought she was dying. And she came out of there well. And she was, I think, going every week having a pint of blood added to her body because her body was just getting rid of blood, had some rare blood disease. They couldn't find out how to treat it or what to do with it. She went back the next week. She didn't need a pint of blood. She went back for a year, didn't need a pint of blood. They couldn't find a trace of anything in her blood, nothing wrong, totally healthy. How do you deal with that? That's just got to be God. I take no credit for it. It just blew me away. They came up and told me. I was ministering to people. They came up and told me what's happening. That shook my face. I was thinking, boy, I don't know. Should I pray for anybody else or not? But the thing is, God knew. You hear me? God knows. And He knows what it takes. He he knows how to let you go through some things. Just like the little illustration of the children in the kitchen. You let them go through some things and make some mistakes knowing that you can fix it. Folks, we need to get that mindset in the church that we let people make some mistakes. We let them go through some stuff. Why? Because our God can fix it. I'm hoping over the next few weeks that we get a lot larger definition of God. I've been thinking of Marjorie over the past weeks and how she's 
really been sick and going through it, and you know it's it's what chemo does, and we know that in the natural, but in my mind, it just keeps saying, "But God, but God." You know, there's a little voice of darkness would say, it's appointed unto man wants to die. And I agree with that. You know, one of, the, one of the quickest ways to take away the enemy's tools is agree with him. Yeah, it's appointed unto man wants to die, but they can go out like Moses did with both legs walking, both, both eyes seeing, both arms working. They can go out like that. And that's what I want to stand for. I don't want to believe. You say, well, it's, uh, that's some kind of a dream thing. Yeah, it really is. A dream where everybody's well. A dream where everybody's hearing God. Everybody's walking with Him. And some people would immediately put up a theological argument. Well, everybody don't get healed. No, they don't. I, devil, I take that argument away from you. <laughs> but the thing is, some do. And here's the thing about Jesus. They say, well, everybody Jesus met didn't get healed. No, but everybody he prayed for got healed. And that's what I want to learn. And yeah, I want to know. I want to know how to how to just catch the wind of the spirit and God saying, "Pray for this one, pray for that one." I was in several ways. I've just been rocked this week because God was telling me that He was heading toward just ministering to His people this morning. And then I'm not going to reveal names because I don't want people to. Uh, get the idea that, that they can't come here and be, be uh, hidden in the crowd if they want. I don't know how else to say it. Some people prefer that. But I get a phone call. That there's one person that has a life-threatening disease and another Christian person is saying, oh, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's going to happen. And I'm saying, yeah, I, I agree. Somehow in this week, God brought that out of the woodwork. And then another one saying, I was just kind of talking to God. And this is my word, not, not his, but kind of minding my own business. And God said, I'm going to heal. And he said, who, who are you going to heal? And he said, everybody you pray for. And I said, wow. All in this week, people that are minding their own business, just going about serving God, going about doing what they do. And God starts talking to them about this service. What's different, Betty? I don't know. But the sovereignty of God is in this house. And here's the thing. He is the sovereign God. On His decisions is the life of the church. On His decisions is the whole of the world. On His decision is whether the world even continues forward as it is or not. He's sovereign. He, He can do what He wants to do, but this sovereign God that I've called you friends. And that immediately begins to bring something to my mind. Uh, I didn't go seeking friendship with him. I'm, I'm not that little yapping dog that keeps bothering him until he finally decides that he'll do something. But he said, hey, come on, I want to be your friend. Now, when my friends ask me something, if I can fulfill that in any way, if it's reasonable at all, I'll help them get it done. So, when the sovereign God calls me friend, I'm sorry, but my opinion is that means I've got a little leverage with him. Number one, it humbles me, so I'm going to try my best to walk with him in ways 
everlasting in ways that He can walk with me. I'm going to try to keep my mouth in order so that I don't move away from Him because I know He's not going to move away from me, but I can move away from Him. So I try to, I try to live in such a way as to walk with Him because He wants to do that. And sometimes he's just going to get it on his mind that he's sovereign in that situation. And he's just going to reach into the presence like is happening here this morning. He's just going to do some stuff. And I'm going to be just okay with that. You know, I want you to know that there are going to be some things that start to happen here in worship and in ministry that, that's probably going to kind of blow your natural mind a little bit. But I want you to just be okay with that because after all, he's kind of like God, you know. And some people say, well, what if it's not him? But he's already, Jesus kind of took care of that. He said, if a, if a man's son asks him for an egg, he won't give him a snake, will he? And if he asks for bread, he won't give him a stone. And then he immediately followed it and said, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask Him? And I'm telling you, we're asking for the Spirit of God to move. We're asking for the wind of God to blow. We're asking for something to happen that's above and beyond us. We're asking once again, God, my friend, will you? Because of our friendship, you know, God, I know I'm not real good with that, but you're pretty good at it. God, will you give Betty some new hips? God, will you give Todd a new backbone? You feel the presence begin to manifest on that? Telling you. God, will you completely heal Bill from the results of all of that stuff? God, some of these that are suffering with addiction, and you hear me, they're suffering with addiction. You say, we got drug addicts among us? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about addictions to things that is beyond your comprehension. Some people are addicted to feeling sorry for themselves. Some people are addicted to nicotine, and we don't even call that a drug. Some are addicted in other ways. But I'm telling you that because of him, he's going to just make it possible for that wind to blow and that just leave you. You'll know that he's saying, come on, let's just come come with me. Let's just walk away from that. And you'll be able to walk away from it. How do I know? Because I've experienced it. He has he done that with me early on several times. I would I knew that some of the things I couldn't get away from. At one point early on, I think I always thought this is kind of humorous. He told me about seventy five percent of your language is gonna to have to go. <laughs> and we just walked away from it. And I'll tell you, there's something in me cringes when somebody uses bad language now. It's, it's dishonoring the presence of those around them. You don't need that to express yourself. English is a, is a very comprehensive language. You can use it and not do that, not be fouled. You can do that. You say, well, I just do it when I'm angry, then stop it. And you're going to hear him say, come on, let's just walk away from that. Let's just go. Let's just leave that. And I think particularly concerning nicotine. You, now understand me, I'm not saying that if you smoke you're going to hell. That was preached a long time ago. And those same people that preached that were uh, in other things that I won't talk about now, but I know they were. And they were hammering themselves as much as they were hammering anybody else. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about that God knows that it's destructive to your hell. And there will come a time when he'll say, come on, let's you and me walk away from that. Let's just go.
and you'll be able to do it. Will it be easy? Not necessarily. But he'll help you. Some of you have this thing about talking about everything that's wrong with yourself and with your family. You'll find in this presence that God's going to say, come on, let's get away from that. That's keeping you from moving forward. That's keeping you from being who you need to be. That's, that's keeping you from doing this or doing that. It's keeping you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's walk in ways everlasting. You're going to find that happens in the presence. And you're going to find that you just, something just shifts. It just happened. And I really think it's going to happen concerning disease for some. You hear me? It's just going to happen. There's something going to take place. And I could, there was something recently that somebody was telling me that they just realized one day that they hadn't had an episode. They had one of these big diseases that had been manifesting on them off and on in, in extended periods of pain. I can't even remember the circumstance now, but it's just been very recent. Oh, yes, when I was at the, at the family reunion, one of the ladies that we had prayed for many years ago came up to me and she said something happened to me when we prayed that night but just in the last couple of years I'm just well and all that time it took for that to work in me but I just realized I haven't had an episode in a couple of years because whatever it was however the process works the life of God manifests in her and it began to happen Another lady introduced me to her grandson that, that we had prayed for that he was, I think, at age seven years old. He'd already been led off into drugs and was having a horrible time with it. And we prayed for her. She went and prayed for him. And I got to meet him. He's now getting ready to go to Bible college, a young man that's serving God. Why? Because Grandma believed God. I believe some of you needs to leave a service like this and go somewhere and lay hands on somebody that God puts on your heart and believe that God will go with you and manifest there with you. I tell you, I, I knew Todd was having a lot of pain this morning and I, I had it in my heart. If Todd was not able to make it here, the first place I was going after church was to Green Top because I believe God wants to completely heal him. I don't, maybe the doctor made a mistake. Leave that in the background. What this doctor, this great physician, don't make mistakes. And we're believing God for healing. Folks, we need to come together as a body. Now, I'm going to say this and then we're going to go into the, uh, the time of communion. And just let me give some instructions. The guys are going to come and start this. This is different than we've ever done it before. What's going to happen is I'm asking you to lay aside the idea of germs. We'll probably be all right. And they're going to hand you a piece of bread, and you're going to tear a small piece off and pass it down. When everybody has been served, then they're going to come back around, and they're going to pick up the leftover pieces, and we're going to use those in a specific way. Please wait until we all take it together, but because this might take a little while, I'm asking them to start it now. So, the thing that I was going to illustrate is that in a service like this, I've seen people healed, just healed. And I heard a testimony not long back that blesses my heart. It, a man that had the same kind of uh, physical problems 
that Trent has. All of us here, most of us here know and love Trent. I mean, how could you not love Trent? It's big smile, always upbeat and rolling his wheelchair around, greeting everybody. I just love Trent. And I know it's the love of God, but they had some of those same problems, except also along with this was the inability to eat and to swallow. Now, they brought this young man from Sweden, I believe it was, all the way to the U.S. to be in one service. Nobody prayed for him during that service. The crowd was so large, they couldn't get to the front. They rolled him out and went out to eat. The family was eating, and he reached over and took a piece of bread, tore a piece off, and ate it. Mother was getting ready to do what was necessary, usually a mouth sweep because he couldn't swallow, but he swallowed it. And bite after bite, he swallowed and ate a whole piece of bread and then a whole meal. And then when he got back home, he got up out of the wheelchair and began to walk. Nobody prayed for him. The sovereignty of God made a decision, and he's well. Folks, I want us to be so aware that this presence is not just a good feeling. It's not just a present. Scott Squire says presentness. I like that. It's the presentness of God. It's the fact that God is here. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. Hear that? God with us. God with us. Not God off out there in his heavens needing us to break him out with some kind of spiritual praying. But God with us. God with us. And I would say to you that he's still making himself known as the word in flesh, full of grace and truth as we find our place in the body and begin to be what He's called us to be. And we begin to understand these things that are only God. I'm going to read most of what I read out of the New American Standard as usual. But I want you to hear this version. This is the Message Bible. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the Master returns. You, you must never let familiarity breed contempt for this service. Anyone who eats the bread or the cup of the Master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. Chelsea. I just, I just want to echo that part. Um, I really feel like God's saying that there are a few people here who feel or are double-minded. And, and what I mean by that is you want to believe. You want to be under the sovereign rule. You want this life. 
and yet for whatever reason you have an inability to trust whether you think you're not worthy or you're judging yourself I don't know which it is but it's kind of like the people who want the police to respond in one minute when they have a need but they call them pigs behind their back resolve the double mindedness because you're the one holding yourself back choose to believe that you are accepted 100% that your desire to be a part of the sovereignty of God and a part of his family is because he's calling you and he wants you and it is all for you just as for anyone else here thank you Like I said before, this is going to be different. But I want some of you to take the bread and the cup that you have, and I want you to go to someone that needs God to act in His sovereignty. Nathan, I'd like for you to go to Betty and just be with her during this time. Mary, if you would go to Todd and just be with him in this time. Uh, Kathy, would you... Lean up and just pray with Ellen and be with her in this time. Now, if God is laying someone else on your heart, as drawing them into the body and drawing them, in, drawing them into this thing that He was doing, then you, you go to them. And if if you want to team up on some of these, that's fine. Just as we take of this, and when we're finished, just pray for them. And we're going to pray together too. I want. Who do I want to see here? Let's get Joy and Chelsea, if you would, to pray with Jeremiah and Brandy. Uh, and others that want to, please do that, too. Now, I, want the, I really believe that the emphasis of this meal is body, not super spiritual. But it's just that God wants us to rightly discern where we are. You know, a lot of times we see ourselves as separate, seeking whatever it is that we need to seek. A lot of times we don't understand how much a part of the body that we really are. And as we, right after we do this, I'm going to pray with Rhonda about her mother. Rhonda, I'm glad you came up here. And anybody that wants to join me in that, please do so. But let's, let's move through this part of it. Paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread for you. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take the cup.
Now, Father, remind us as we do that we're remembering that your body was broken and that it's really not necessary for ours to be broken because you paid that price. That God, by you shedding your blood, you drew us all into this. Pray for those that you're with and around now. And let's just believe God. I, I am believing that Marjorie at home will feel the presence of God so strong on her. I've been praying that for months now. But that she will be aware of the love of the Savior for her. Not just through Rhonda. But she'll be aware that people of this body and other bodies. I, I notice on Facebook that when Rhonda asks for something for her mom that a lot of people respond, not just us. And you know what? God hears us because we're friends. God, we lift Marjorie up before you. Lord, we're just bringing her to you. We're just bringing her to you. God, this cancer seems huge, but it's not huge to you. Lord, we just release your authority, your power. And Lord, we release healing over her. And we do it as representatives of you. We present you once again to the powers of this earth. Say, no, this is different. It doesn't matter what caused this. What matters is what heals this. And God, it's your power, your presence that we're listening to you. God, give Rhonda strength, courage. Lord, as she goes and is with her mom, help her to have confidence as she lays her hands on her mom that she's releasing the authority of God in that situation. God, we just bring Betty to you. God, you're the healer. You're the creator. God, she can walk without hips and without pain if that's what you want to do. God, we just lift her to you, saying, God, we believe you. And Lord, we speak to the powers of darkness that would try to overcome that and command them back off in Jesus' mighty name. Back off in Jesus' mighty name. God, we release the creative power of God in, in Todd's back. God, that things will start to change. And God, it doesn't matter what's wrong in there. I'm not even going to push on that. Whatever is wrong, God, I ask you to make it right. Your present power right now starting to overcome that and correct it in Jesus' name. God, we lift Steve up before you. God, I know you're working. I know you're working. And God, I know it seems forevermore like it's the powers of darkness working, but really it's you in there kicking things down and pushing things out, saying that you're going to rule and reign in that thing. Heal in Jesus' mighty name. Some of you know that God is asking you to go pray for somebody when you leave here or through this next week. Go pray for them. Just take a chance on God. Who knows what will happen? Hallelujah. Now, Father, as we go in all of our separate ways, I pray that none of us will be able to get away from the fact that we live in the sovereignty of God because we live in Him. God, we're not waiting on Him to come from somewhere and manifest among us. He manifested among us many years ago. And now He lives among us as we allow Him to, full of grace and truth. Build your